All right, let's open our Bibles. Genesis chapter 27. You guys ready for this? Ready or not, here it comes, all right? Genesis chapter 27. I mean, that's what's going to happen when the Lord comes back. You know that, right? Ready or not, here I come. Amen. Genesis chapter 27. Stand with me if you would. Genesis 27. We're going to stand together for a little bit. If you can stand, please join us. Genesis chapter 27. We've been talking about walking with God. And as I mentioned, uh, sometimes we learn things by looking at a good example and sometimes we learn things by looking at a bad example. I think you've all heard the story of the uh, twin brothers who had a dad that was an alcoholic. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And uh, twin brothers, and you know, twins are always kind of alike, and they do a lot of things similar, and they hang out together all the time. And if I didn't know better, I would think Preston and Ethan are twins. They are inseparable. Uh, and uh, twins are just, they're always locked in. They always know what the other one's thinking. Well, their dad was an alcoholic, and they grow up, and uh, one of those brothers turns out to be an alcoholic just like dad. I mean, just a mess. And the other twin brother was a teetotaler. He never touched a drop and wouldn't drink anything stronger than buttermilk. I mean, he said, I'm saying far away from that stuff. And they asked both of them, well, why did you do that? Uh, why are you a drunk, and, and, and why are you a teetotaler? The drunk says, because my daddy was a drunk. And the teetotaler says, because my daddy was a drunk. You see, you choose what you do with the examples that are in front of you, all right? And so this morning, as we look at the life of Jacob, and really, we're just taking a, a, a little bit of a bite size, a little, a little piece of his life, and we're going to look at another part of his life uh, next Sunday as well. Uh, uh, Jacob was just, there was so much stuff in Jacob's life, I'm like, there is no way that I can get it all into one message. So look at Genesis chapter 27 this morning, Genesis 27. And I'm going to start reading in verse number 1. I'm going to read quite a few verses because I want to make sure we have the context all laid out. Uh, Look at verse 1. And it came to pass that when Isaac was old, that's important note, and his eyes were dim, that's important note, so he could not see, he called Esau his eldest son and said unto him, My son. And he said unto him, Behold, here am I. And he said, Behold now, I am old. I know not the day of my death. All right? Uh, I think in the original languages it says, I am Brother Craig. I'm just kidding, Brother Craig. <laughs> I am old. <laughs> I know not the day of my death. Now that, I'm sorry. He did it. I didn't do it. He did it. He started it. All right. Now, therefore, take, I pray thee, thy weapons, thy quiver, and thy bow, and go out to the field and take me some venison. Basically, go get me some deer. Go get me a buck, right? And make me savory meat uh, such as I love, and bring it to me, that I may eat, that my soul may bless thee before I die. And Rebekah heard when Isaac spake to Esau, his son. So mom's kind of eavesdropping. And Esau went to the field to hunt for venison and to bring it. Rebekah spake unto Jacob. Now Rebekah's bringing in the other son, Jacob. Her son, saying, Behold, I heard thy father speak unto Esau, thy brother, saying, Bring me venison and make me savory meat that I may eat. And bless thee before the Lord before my death. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice according to that which I command thee. Go now to the flock. So, so daddy already sent one son to the field in verse 3. Mom's saying, go to the flock and fetch me from thence two good kids of the goats and I will make them savory meat for thy father such as he loveth. And thou shalt bring it to thy father that he may eat and that he may bless thee before his death. You guys catching what's going on here? Mom's involved and mom's kind of going, look, I don't think Esau deserves it. And you know Esau doesn't deserve it. And you're probably the better one and you probably handle it better. And and so here's what I want you to do. And she brings me on this plan. Now, at this point, let me just say this. Jacob is not a victim. Jacob can choose to go, no, mom, no thanks. Right. Jacob does not choose that. Look, for the rest of your life, there are going to be people that say dumb things to you. 
Okay? And it's going to be on you to go, uh, no thanks. Uh, Jacob, look at verse number uh, 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 11. And Jacob said to Rebekah, this is the first thing that he says, Behold, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man. I love this. He definitely was not Latino. <laughs> Esau, my brother, is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. You know? Yeah, that's Jacob. I'm a smooth man. These are the first words out of his mouth. My father, peradventure, that's like maybe, will feel me, and I shall seem to him as a deceiver. No, no, no. You won't seem. You are. <laughs> I will seem to him as a deceiver. And he goes on to say, listen, I, I think this is interesting. I shall bring a curse upon me and not a blessing. Christian, can I, can I say that when you're walking with God, the last thing you want to do is turn the blessing into a curse? And uh, Jacob does that. Look at verse 14. He went and fetched and brought them to his mother. And his mother made savory meat, such as his father loved. And he didn't even, he didn't even cook it. Talk about a mama's boy. He went to the backyard, grabbed two goats from the backyard, and said, okay, mom, you cook it. Why? So I can steal the blessing. Uh, nothing wrong with wanting a blessing. How you go about it makes all the difference in the world. Um, look, look, if you would, at verse uh, 14. He went and fetched and brought them to his mother, and his mother made savory meat, such as his father loved, and Rebekah took goodly raiment of her eldest son Esau, which were with her in the house, and put them upon Jacob, her younger son, and she put the skins of the kids of the goats upon his hands and upon the smooth of his neck. And she gave the savory meat and the bread, which she had prepared in the hand of her son. And he came unto his father and said, My father. And he said, Here am I. Who art thou, my son? And Jacob said, Why do you think, I, why do you think Isaac's saying that? Didn't he just tell Esau to go get him some food? So is he not expecting Esau? So when he hears this voice, he goes, Who are you? First red flag. And Jacob said to his father, I am who? Thy firstborn. No, you're not. I have done according as thou badest me. No, you haven't. Arise, I pray thee, sit and eat of my venison. It was a goat, not a deer, <laughs> that thy soul may bless me. And Isaac said to his son, How is it that thou hast found it so quickly, my son? And he said, Because the Lord thy God brought it to me. Uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer and uh, ask for God's help this morning. Um, very, very thankful to have Brother Chad. Brother Chad, if you'd open this up in a word of prayer, brother, appreciate it. Amen. Be seated if you would. Let me just say this as we open up the message and kind of introduce some thoughts. Let me set it up a little bit. If you're not familiar with the Old Testament, you need to understand that when the Bible talks about the fathers or the forefathers of Israel, what the Bible is talking about is Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We've looked at Abraham's life and how he walked with God. We looked at Isaac's life and how he learned to walk with God. Now we're looking at Jacob, the last of the three. And we'll look at some of his sons down the road as well. But let me just say this. When the Bible talks about these fathers, it is a, a talking specifically about those three men. How do I know that? Well, the New Testament says that when it comes to the gospel, Israel, they are enemies for your sakes, but they are beloved for the father's sakes. Father's plural possessive, uh, uh, the, the apostrophe comes after the S. Who are the fathers? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Joseph, when he's dying, says this uh, unto his brethren, uh, God will surely 
surely visit you and bring you out of the land, under the land which he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. When God shows up to Moses, he says, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Uh, when Moses says, uh, who am I going to say sent you? Uh, J- uh, God says this, let them know that it was the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob that has sent uh, uh, me unto you. You need to understand that these, these forefathers are kind of a big deal. Why, do, why are we looking at their lives? Because what we tend to do is we tend to look at the finished product. We tend to look at the mass, or, or maybe I'll put it in, in terms like this. We tend to look at a church or a life or a ministry and go, look at that ministry, look at that life. You need to take a step back. You know, the old saying is this. I learned this in Bible school. God is more interested in building the man than he is the ministry. Why? Because if the man's not right, the ministry won't last. And so God is showing us something about the lives of these men. Why? Because they're the foundation of that nation. You need to learn some things about these men because without those men, there is no Israel. Understand this about uh, about Jacob. Uh, There are some things I think that are conflicting about this story. Uh, Number one, I'll say this. He desired a blessing. You ought to desire a blessing. There's nothing wrong with desiring a blessing. Uh, You ought to desire a blessing from God. You ought to desire God's hand on your life. You might remember this later on in Jacob's life. For those that have read Genesis, later on in Jacob's life, he goes to reach out his hand uh, onto the sons of Joseph, Manasseh and Ephraim, and he puts it on the hand of who Joseph believes to be the wrong one. And, And Jacob goes, no, 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 I know where the blessing should go. You say, well, what did he learn at the end of his life? He learned some things about God. But you know what God learned? You know what lessons he had learned along the way? Some things in this chapter. He wanted a blessing as a child of God. Listen, when you got saved, you know what happened? The Bible says he has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in Christ. He has made us to sit together in heavenly places with him. From God's perspective, if you're saved, it's like you're already there. <laughs> And if you're lost without Jesus Christ, you know what you need? You need to to move seats. You need to get up in musical chairs and leave the seat that you're in right now. You are in Adam. You are in a place of death. And God wants to take you and move you into Christ. He does not do that through baptism. He does not do that through church membership. He does it when you bow the knee and you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. And if you've never done that uh, uh, before, today is the day of your salvation. I, I believe primarily I'm talking to a lot of saved people, though, this morning. Here's what you need to understand. God's already told you, I've got these blessings for you. There are things that I want to give you. Just like Jacob knew about Abraham's life and how God supernaturally intervened and showed up and revealed things to Abraham that God didn't reveal to anybody else. Uh, Jacob knew about Hagar and Jacob knew about Isaac being born supernaturally when when, uh, uh, his grandparents were well beyond years. Jacob knew all those stories. And so Jacob goes, I want the blessing. I know it goes from Abraham to Isaac and I'm going to interfere and make sure that Esau doesn't get it because it's mine. Nothing wrong with wanting a blessing, but you go around the wrong way, you're going to pay for it for a long time. He desired a blessing. Can I say this? He knew that God had promised his father blessings. That's all right. Nothing wrong with that. Here's where it gets wonky. He was willing to do anything to get it. That's where it's a problem. He was willing to go against his own conscience to get it. That was where it's a problem. And he was willing to get it, go ahead of God's timing in order to get it. That is where it's a problem. You know, you may or may not remember the story. David, obviously one of the greatest kings that ever lived of Israel. 
And uh, one day David is with his band of mighty men, those that are discontented, and, and uh, all the, the D words there that find him in the cave, discontented and distressed and in debt. And they come to, cave, uh, to David in that cave, the cave of Adullam, and, and they, they kind of build an army of men from the, kind of like the island of misfit toys and Rudolph, you know what I'm talking about? Nobody wants these people, and so they all kind of flock to David. And David is a picture of Jesus Christ. Nobody wanted us. The world didn't want us, and he took us in, Amen. He made us his own, and he he does something in our lives that makes us mightier than we are. That's the picture in that story. And what's interesting about this story is at one time, David and his men are just out minding their own business, and and there's a a flock of sheep, and you know what they do? They keep the bad guys away, and they keep the wolves away. And you say, whose sheep are these? They belong to a man named Nabal. And Nabal, the Bible says, was a churlish man. You ever meet someone in your life that no matter what you say, they're just, they're a jerk? Oh, come on. I know it's Sunday morning. Oh, you... He said, jerk from the pop. Well, there's more than that. I mean, can you imagine? You guys know what I'm talking about. You're messing with, no matter what you say, it's a fight. It's a conflict. It's like, hi, good morning. What do you mean by that? You know, like, God bless you. I don't need God's blessing. Dude, just calm yourself down. You know, like, you get, okay, here's an example from 2024. How you doing, sir? I'm a ma'am. Okay, my bad. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, my bad. Right? Uh, listen, Nabal is churlish. You know what that means? No one can approach him. And, and, and the story goes like this. Nabal, when, when David's mighty men asked Nabal for some provision after just being there and being friendly and, and helping their sheep and helping their shepherds, you know what Nabal says? You know what? There's all kinds of people that run away from their masters these days. Why should I help you? Why should I take food off my table and give it to you, jerks? And Nabal runs his mouth. You know what David wants to do? David wants to kill him. And you know what David can do? David can kill him. And you know what? I don't know that God would have been like bad David. I mean, you ever, no, I'm sorry. There's just some people that you kind of go, Lord, why did you keep that guy around? <laughs> I mean, listen, don't, don't, you guys are, I can tell you're all sensitive right now. You're like, oh, preacher, why would you say that? Okay, think about this. There are people that are still with us that I look at in this world and I go, why is that guy here? And you take some dear old saint back to heaven. Someone that's winning people to Jesus Christ and someone's doing a great work and they die of cancer in their 50s and you let that guy live 80, 90, Lord, what's all that about? But you know what? God knows what he's doing. Uh, Even when we don't understand it, God knows what he's doing. And and here's what happens. Uh, David could have attacked Nabal. He could have taken his life and he doesn't do it. You know what he does? He sits back and he says, okay, God, I want to get involved and I want to do this and I can do this, but it's not my place, so I'm going to let you do it. You know what happens? Nabal dies of a heart attack. Natural causes. Oh, I would say maybe supernatural causes. Uh, But I would say this. You know what David learned from that? I don't always have to take all the matters into my own hand. You know what Jacob is struggling with? Jacob looks at this and he looks at the blessing and he knows that he can get it. He knows how to manipulate the situation, how to get what he wants. And in the end, he does get what he wants. But I'm going to tell you something. When you get what you want the wrong way, you're always looking over your shoulder. And you're always wondering, can I really actually enjoy this? Bible says of Abraham that God would make him a great nation and his name would be a blessing. The Bible says of Abraham, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Jacob understood that and Jacob knew that. And Christian, I say this, the, the blessings that Jacob was going after, they were carnal in nature. They were physical in nature. Why? God had promised a physical seed to Abraham. God had promised a physical land to Abraham. God has promised us way better things than dirt and kids. And I love my kids, and I love having land and all that stuff. But I'm going to tell you right now, we are not of the mindset that you're spiritual because you have a lot of children. You might just be a fertile myrtle, okay? I mean, listen, there's just some women like this. They look at their husband, boom, pregnant right there. 
I mean, and some women not that way. You're not more spiritual because you pop them out left and right. Uh, but, but back then, it was a sign of God's blessing on their life. And so Jacob is looking for physical blessings because he understands God promised that. You ought to be seeking something way better than that, Christian. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. You ought to be seeking those spiritual blessings in Christ. What I'm going to tell you right now, how you approach it makes all the difference in the world. Look at Romans 7. We'll come back to this. I want to make this very clear. Romans chapter number 7 this morning. Uh, I want to give a little bit of doctrine as we kind of set the stage here because of this. Uh, uh, churches don't teach sound doctrine anymore. So you got a lot of people walking around wondering if they're saved or not. And here's what I'm going to tell you. Most lost people don't debate in their mind whether, lo- whether or not they're lost. You know what, most Christians, when they're going through a rough patch and maybe they've given over their, 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 their flesh or their mind to the wrong elements of this life, that's when you start doubting whether or not you're saved. But can I help you out a little bit? If you put your faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, his resurrection, no matter what you do in the flesh, you are saved. Yeah. All right? I'm not advocating that you sin as a means to prove that. I'll tell you right now, you will get God. The Lord is a good God. You know what he does? He takes his, even if parents in America America aren't good parents. God is not changing his parenting style for us, all right? And so when his kids get out of line, you know what he does? He gently and graciously takes them behind the proverbial woodshed of glory, and he says, all right, let's get the lesson. All right, are we getting it now? Good, go back. And then you go and you live life, and he brings you back. Listen, you'll go through chastisement from God, but you don't lose your salvation. You need to understand this. The moment you get saved, there's an old man and there's a new man. And the old man inside of you wants everything the way that it was before you got saved. I heard some jack wagon last night get out on YouTube or something, and he was saying this. He said, you know, when I got saved, I got really saved. Oh, okay. So when you get to heaven, here's what we're going to have. You're going to have two categories of people in heaven. The really saved and the saved. I'll probably, according to him, be in the saved category because I don't do it like he does it. You're not, listen, you are not in a church that goes, if you don't do it just like me, then you must not be saved. You know what I know? Listen, you ever watch these kids get up here? Some of them are chewing gum. (laughs) Some of them are picking their nose. You know, my brother, I'll never forget, every time he went up to sing, if he's watching this, God bless you, Gabriel, I love you. Every time you get to sing, his zipper would be down. My dad would be like, I can't try, I can't eat you. (laughs) And just like, what in the world? It's like, you had your zipper up five minutes? Why up there, you know? I mean, everyone gets up, and the kids are kind of doing their own thing. And it's adorable, and it's cute. But you know what it's a picture of? It's a picture of us as God's kids. We're kind of all over the place. We're still his kids, though. And when you get saved, you've got an old nature that wants everything that the old, all the sin, all the lust, envy, and pride, and jealousy, and bitterness, and lust, and, and concupiscence, and, 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 and fornication, all the works of the flesh. It wants all of it. And there's a new man that goes, I hate all of that. Look at Romans chapter 7. Romans 7. Romans 7, look if you would at verse number 15. For that which I do... I allow not. For, now, let me just stop real quick. Anybody know who writes Romans? Paul. All right. There's a city in Minnesota, Minnesota called St. Paul. There's a cathedral called St. Paul's. All right. So this is St. Paul writing the letter to the Romans. All right. The word saint, I know how it's used in the Catholic Church and how people think of it in the world. It does not mean, oh. You know, and it's always, always had the picture with the guy like this. Almost looks like a yoga pose, you know? 
like this. And, and like, that's not what saint means. In the Bible, you know what saint means? It means you have been sanctified. You've been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. All right? So St. Sean just raised his hand. Amen? All right? St. So Sean and St. Eric. Michael's like, uh-uh, I've been married him for a week. He ain't no saint. All right? All right? All right? But, but all, listen, if you're saved, you are a saint. All right? You, you've been sanctified by the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, the guy that writes this book, he's saved already. Can we agree on that? All right, so look at what he says. Look at verse uh, 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 15. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. Can I get a witness from anybody else in the room? You ever feel this way? Like, yeah, I know what I'm supposed to do, but I'm not going to do it. And I know I shouldn't say that, but I'm about to say it. Right? And I know I should open my mouth right now, but I'm just going to be quiet. If then I do that, which I would not, I consent to the law that it is good. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, parentheses, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will, that desire is there, I promise, it's the new man is in me. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Oh, don't anybody else read this and go, thank you for not being the only one. Like, I read this, I'm like, all right, Paul, I never liked you as much as I do in chapter 7 of Romans. You ever read Paul when he's like, you know, I will praise him in my infirmities. And I'm like, shut up. And he's like, rejoice, rejoice in the Lord always and again. And I'm like, shut up. When he says the things I wish I wouldn't do, I'm like, yep, thank you. Thank you, Paul. I get that. Uh, look, look what he says here in verse 20. Now, if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find in a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. Remember the old cartoons back in the day? You got the devil and the angel, you know? Anybody remember Saturday morning cartoons? This streaming garbage has ruined everything. The kids get Saturday morning cartoons every day. That's awful. I grew up in the 80s. It was a special moment. You get your sugar lace cereal. You sit cross-legged two feet from the television. That You have to adjust the antennas. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And you sit there and you gorge on G.I. Joe, My Little Pony, Tom and Jerry, and all the rest of the good ones. Man, you, you remember the old uh, devil and the angel on the shoulder type thing? Listen, that, that is literally what Paul is, is putting out there, except for it's not the devil, it's you. <laughs> it's the old you fighting the new you, Christ in you. Look at verse 22, for I delight in the law of God after the inward man. See, the inward man wants what's right. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from the, what's the next word? Yeah, not the soul. My soul is clean. It's the body that's the problem. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself show the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Why did I read all that? I want you to understand that you're going to have to decide that you're going to go after the blessings of God, not in the manner of Jacob, not in the manner of the flesh, but to go after them after the manner of Jesus Christ, after the manner of the new man. The name Jacob means supplanter, deceiver, liar, and you've got a choice to walk in that or to walk in Christ. And if you're a born again child of God, that's a choice you make every single day. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 says, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. You're in Romans. Look at Romans chapter number 8. Romans chapter 8. Look, if you would, at verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, 
but after the Spirit. In other words, you are going to experience condemnation in the flesh when you lean on the flesh and you go about your life going about it after the manner of the old nature. You are going to wish that you hadn't. As a matter of fact, here's what I think of it like. You ever watch a basketball team? You know what the basketball coach ought to tell those people? He ought to tell them, look, whatever it is, I remember hearing this when I was in in, in, uh, junior high and high school, Uh, whatever you're not good at, practice that. All right, so I'm not good at dribbling with my left. I can take them to the right, but man, crossing over, when I get over here, I'm in trouble. And that guy that's watching me knows it. And that guy that's watching me, the devil, knows it. And when I cross over, you know what I got to work on? My left-hand dribble. If I'm not good at free throws, Shaquille O'Neal, got to love him, all right? If I'm not good at free throws, you know what I should do? I should spend an hour at that line just, you know what people do, though? That's not what you do. By nature, you lean into what you think you're good at. And what you're naturally uh, strong in, you go, I'm going to lean into that. I don't want, who wants to do something they're not good at? Who wants to admit they're not good at something? <laughs> and so look, look if you would, Romans chapter 8, look at verse number 3. For what the law could not do, and that it was what? Through the flesh. It was weak. Through the flesh, God sending his own son, the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. The idea is this. Look, I'm not trying to pick on the, the you know, you guys, you know, gym guys, swole bro, you know, all that stuff. But you know what high school boys always want to work out? I'm sorry, it's the truth. Biceps. The pythons need to come out, baby. It's the truth. You know what they don't want to work out? Legs. So you've got guys that are like disproportionate. Their arms are like this, and their legs are like this. You know why? Because this is what I'm good at. You know what you're good at? You're good at the flesh. You are. You're good at getting what you want through the flesh. What's challenging for you is to wait and find it God's way. You guys remember the temptation of Jesus Christ? You know the devil says to him? He shows him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. Just like that. Here's every kingdom. And I can give it to you. And the devil says, all this power will I give thee and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me. And to whomsoever I will, I give it. If thou therefore will fall down and worship me. Do you know what he says? Hey, Jesus, I can get you to skip the cross. I can get you to skip the betrayal. I can get you to skip the arrest. I can get you to skip the trial. You can bypass all of that and get what you want right now. Well, what do I, what do I lose? here's what I lose. I lose this. I lose all this. I lose this. I lose Lenny getting saved. I lose David getting saved. I lose Hector getting saved. I lose Eric getting saved. I lose Sammy getting saved. I lose all of that. I don't redeem anybody. Why? Because I got what I wanted and I took the short and I did it my way. You know, when you look at the life of Jesus Christ, he's our example. You know what it says in Revelation? It says the kingdoms of this world in the future. The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign forever and ever and ever. And I'm adding some evers, all right? And ever. And you know he's gonna do that forever and ever. You know why? Because he did it the right way. He didn't go about it through the flesh. Christian, can I say this? Over in Deuteronomy, you know what the Bible says? The Lord thy God turned the curse into a blessing. Because the Lord thy God loved thee. You know what we're good at? Turning the blessing into a curse. You know what God wants to do in your life? The very opposite. 
And you know who decides what God does? You. By how you handle what you pursue. Uh, look back at Genesis chapter 27. Genesis chapter 27. Can I say this? Number one, walking with God teaches us to not manipulate the situation. Walking with God teaches us to not manipulate the situation. Look at verse number one. It came to pass when Isaac was what? And his eyes were what? So he could not what? You know what Jacob saw? A weakness. You know, uh, kids are kind of good at this. Kids learn how to manipulate things kind of early. I heard a story years ago. It stuck with me. His dad puts a kid in bed. You parents are putting kids in bed and go, okay, don't, don't talk, don't get up. You're in bed now. You ever do that? Mm-hmm. Listen, if you let them run around until 1130 at midnight, that's on you. That's not on them. You're bigger than them. You know that, right? <laughs> okay, all right. And, and, so, and so, look, well, you know what bothers me about Americans? You train your dogs better than you do your kids. Right. Amen. Amen, preacher. That's right. All right, well, this, this kid, this dad puts his kid in the bed, and he's trying to do it the right way. He goes, all right, you're going to bed. That's it. You're done. And the kid goes, Daddy, can I get some water? <laughs> Ever had that before? And dad goes, no, son, it's time for bed. Daddy, can I please have some water? <laughs> Daddy, I'm thirsty. <laughs> and dad goes, no, son, if I give you water, then you'll have to go to the bathroom. And the kid's like, well, that's kind of the idea. I want to go to bed. <laughs> About a minute later, Daddy! You know what daddy kept saying? Hey, no. Daddy, can I ask some water? Son, if you open your mouth one more time, you're getting a whooping. About 30 seconds. That's funny, isn't it? <laughs> that, we just moved the punchline up right there. <laughs> you know, that dad goes, you talk one more time, you're getting a whooping. You know what that kid says? 30 seconds later, gives it a pause. Daddy, on your way to give me a whooping, can you bring me some water? <laughs> He said, what is that? Manipulation, man. If my kid did that to me, I'd be like, I'm done. I can't do it. <laughs> can, I, can I say this, though, seriously? That good Samaritan over there in the Gospel of Luke, you know what happens to that good Samaritan? He was robbed and left naked and alone. Why? Someone took advantage of his weakness. They saw that. You know who, who, you know who operates that way? The Bible says we are to support the weak. The pure religion and undefiled is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction. God, even in Exodus, when God's talking about Israel, he goes, you take care of those strangers because you were a stranger in Egypt. God is not for exploiting and manipulating those that are in a position of vulnerability. God, God doesn't operate in the realm of manipulation. God operates in the realm of truth. The flesh operates in the realm of manipulation. And how can I exploit this? And, and they're not going to know. And I can get one past them this way. And the preacher won't know. And my wife won't know. And my parents won't know. Listen, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks or knows. What matters is, does God know what's going on? And the answer is yes. The Lord has never, ever been a manipulator. And you know what causes manipulation? Feeling that something is owed to you. God owes us nothing, guys. You know what else causes causes uh, manipulation? A lack of faith in what God said. Can I ask you a question? When did the devil attack Jesus in the temptation? After 40 days of not eating. Not 40 hours. Don't raise your hand. Anybody recently tried to fast? You're like, oh God. I want to get through to you on this. 
Oh, Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip that burger and that milkshake. <laughs> Lord, thou knowest the sacrifice that I hath laid before thee. <laughs> Lord, thou knowest when the brethren do not know. But Lord, I shall put it on Facebook so that the brethren shall know. <laughs> you know, I'm going to skip that. And, and like lunch comes around, you're like, I'm just going to get alone with God. And you get down. And like all you can see is a McDonald's burger. <laughs> or an in and out or if you're really saved, like the Jack Wagon talked about last night, if you're really saved, a Chick-fil-A spicy chicken sandwich. <laughs> 40 days, guys, 40 days of no food. You'd be a little weak, wouldn't you? That's when the devil attacked. You know God doesn't work that way? God doesn't do that. Remember Levi and Simeon? They convinced the guys that wanted their sister Dinah to get circumcised as adults, and when they're all healing up, they go and they kill them. And you say, what is that? That's manipulation. It's exploiting the weakness of something else. It's going, I'm going to twist this situation for my advantage. Can I say this? God doesn't operate that way. Amen. Question is, why do we? Why would you ever go about trying to seek the blessing of God? When did Judas come in the garden when they were praying? position of vulnerability you know what jesus uh, the prophecy about jesus christ and the crucifixion many bulls have compassed me strong bulls of bashan have beset me around they gaped upon me with their mouths as a ravening and a roaring lion say what is that it's spiritual wickedness in high places attacking jesus christ on the cross prophecy from psalms 22 when did they choose to do that not when he's on the throne when he's on the cross let, let, me, let me say it this way god does not operate like that and when you're walking with him, you don't pull a Jacob. You don't wait for your opportunity. You know what you do? You say, God, I know I could get this this way. I know that I could, I could get the, 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 the fruit that I want. But Lord, I don't want to get it my way. I want to get it your way. Look at, if you would, at Genesis 27, verse 20. I said this earlier, I'm going to say it again. When you get what you want and you get it your way, you can't even enjoy it. I watched it. I watched people go, I need, I, need, I need someone in my life. 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 They get that someone and they rue the day. You know, I'm not saying you don't need this. Maybe the Lord knows that, but maybe it, you're going about the wrong way. I love it when 20-something-year-old girls are like, I just can't find a good guy. Where are you looking? At the club. Good luck. <laughs> Look at verse 20. You know what Jacob says? The Lord that God brought at me. And God's like, I had nothing to do with that. Don't blame God for you jumping ahead. Don't blame God for you manipulating. Secondly, can I say this? Walking with God means learning to shut out the wrong voices. Look at verse number eight. Now, therefore, my son. Mama knows best, right? Now, look, uh, uh, there's nothing better than a good mom. Nothing better. I mean, I believe that there's some, some great men in this world today uh, in, and at times, unfortunately, when dad stepped out, mom stepped in and thank God brought them to church and raised them right. And they're serving God today. Nothing wrong. I think there's nothing better than a good mom. But I'm going to say this. Uh, uh, be careful that you don't take the position of God when you're trying to lead your family. And what I'm saying by this is this. Be careful, and not just when you're leading your family. Be careful that you don't look at a situation and go, I know how this should turn out. You don't always know how it should turn out. 
You know what I believe? I believe Rebecca wanted what was best for her sons. I believe she wanted what was best for her husband. I don't think Rebecca was an evil woman. I think she's a good woman. But I think this, when you put yourself in a situation where God did not insert you and you insert yourself and you go, I heard this, we got to do something about this. And God's like, I never told you anything. (laughs) You know what Jacob does? He listens to the voice of his mother. Why? Because she looks at the situation and goes, we've got to control this thing. We've got to make sure. You know what Jacob does? Jacob learns some things from mom. Jacob learns that, look, if you're going to get something out of life, you've got to be in control. And you know what he learns? Eventually he learns that's not the right outlook, but this is where he's at right now. Look, if you would, at verse number 13. You know what mom says to him? Hey, son, if it doesn't work out, he gives the objections. Mom, I'm not sure about this. I don't know. And in verse 13, she says, upon me be thy curse. Can I say this right now? Only God can say that to you. The only one that can take the curse of sin off of you is God himself. And so when someone steps in and goes, you should do this. I think it's a great idea. Well, I'm not sure that God's in this. Yeah, well, you know what? I'll be there for you. Guess what happens? Rebecca says, son, at the end of the chapter, obey my voice, and I want you to flee to my father's house, and I want you to go there. And in a few days, I'll call you back. She never sees him again. You know why? Those voices that say go this way when God's not saying that, they can't vouch for you in the end. You know the story of Amnon, most of you know the story, sad story. Amnon, the the story of a young man who's David's son. The Bible says that Amnon thought it hard to do anything unto Tamar, his sister. But the Bible says, but Amnon had a friend. And Amnon's friend convinced him to do something that he knew was against his own conscience. And by the way, at the end, when Amnon is killed, guess who does not pay for it? His friend Jonadab. His friend doesn't pay for it, Amnon does. Christian, be careful of listening to people that say, this is what you need to do when God has not stepped in at all. And when God's voice is silent or God's voice is speaking different words and someone else is saying, yeah, but I think, yeah, but I think, yeah, but I think, it doesn't matter what someone else thinks. And by the way, sometimes it's not an external voice, sometimes it's on the inside. And you're telling yourself, but I can do this and I can do this and I need to take control. And the Lord's like, stop it right there, you're in trouble. Can I say this? Adam never prays. You know, we teach our kids to pray before a meal. All right? We're trying to get, and Olivia's kind of doing this now. When we say amen, it's like, woo! Because that means dig in, right? And, and you teach your kids to pray and all that stuff. You know what, Adam, the, the first, first couple, you know, you think before a meal you pray. I don't, you know what you never read in Genesis 3 when she brings that fruit to Adam? He never goes, let's pray about this. Do you realize when Peter chops a guy's ear off, he never says, let me pray about this first? Do you ever, you ever realize that when Peter says, I go a fishing, after the death and resurrection of Jesus, and he's just going to go he's doing his own thing, he never prays. But his words, I go a fishing, brought other people with him. You can be careful that when you listen to the wrong voice, because you end up bringing others with you as well. Can I say when Moses goes up a mountain and he's gone for a couple weeks? Now, let's be honest. Let's, let's cut Aaron a little bit of slack, just a little bit. If the guy that talked to God, that told you everything you knew about the Lord, was gone for a couple weeks, you're like, well, maybe he's dead. Right? And, and so you know what he does? He builds a golden calf. Doesn't seem like the most logical next step. <laughs> like, it's either we trust God by faith or we build this good calf. <laughs> right? And 
and there's this big cab, and there's a big party, and all the music, and the clothes come off, and all the rest of it, it's a big mess. Can I, can I just point out he never prayed before he did that? Can I point out that when David goes walking and sees Bathsheba, he doesn't pray? Can I point out that when John Mark leaves the most dynamic duo in missions history, Paul and Barnabas, that when he does that, he doesn't pray before he goes? And when Paul and Barnabas start fighting about John Mark leaving after he didn't pray before he left, they don't pray before they get in their fight. Everyone's just kind of doing their own thing. Can I point out Rebecca doesn't pray for her family in this chapter? Can I point out Jacob never prays before he listens to what his mom says? Can I, pray, can I point out that Esau doesn't pray over his hunt? And Isaac doesn't pray when Jacob shows up and he starts feeling like something's off here. No one's praying. Can I just say this? Be careful what voices you're listening to. You know what happens at the end of Saul's life? I know, I know who I'm talking to. I'm talking to American Christians. And you've got all kinds of voices talking to you. Man, you got them connected to you all the time. By way of all the platforms online, by way of Fox News and CNN and whatever else you're listening to, whatever else you're watching, Glenn Beck and Sean Hannity and Alex Jones and InfoWars or whatever your thing is, listen to all these voices. And what you need to do is go, God, I, just, I need to silence all of that because I, I can't hear you. And I hear people saying, you need to do this, you need to do this, and you need to do this. But God, I haven't heard anything from you. And Lord, I don't want to take a step if you're not in this. You know what Moses says? Moses says this, Lord, if you don't go up with us, I don't want to go in the promised You don't want to go in the promised land? I don't even want to look in that direction if I don't think God's with us. Look at the end of the chapter just so you see this for yourself. Look at verse 43. See, the voice that says, you got this, it's okay. They don't have the power to help you later. And sometimes it's you. And sometimes what you understand is, when you're listening to you or any other voice that contradicts God's leadership, you are going after the flesh. And you might get what you want in that moment, but you're going to pay for it. Look at verse 43 now. Therefore, my son... What are the next three words? You know whose voice you need to obey? God's. You know what's easier to do? Let's be honest. It's easier to hear people than it is God. I'm not a Simon and Garfunkel fan, but man, the sound of silence, it's a good silence. It's a good sound. Like just nothing. How often do you have just nothing so you can hear from the Lord? You know what Jacob was doing? He's just running. He's going through life like we are. Got to go to the meeting. Got to go here. Got to go there. Well, they said this. And man, mom's never been wrong before. Well, let me just tell you something. I'll tell you who's never actually been wrong before is the Lord. His voice is the one you should be listening to. Thirdly, can I say this? Walking with God means no more covering up. Look at verse number 11. Genesis 27, verse number 11. No more covering up. You know what you need to be with God? Open and honest. You know what the Bible says in Hebrews? It first talks about the sword of the Lord, the word of God being quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, uh, piercing even the dividing center of soul and spirit and the joints and marrow, the discerning the thoughts and intents of the heart. It talks about that in verse uh, 12, but in the next verse, it talks about the fact that everything is open and naked with the one with whom we have to do. In other words, God already knows where you're at. 
Don't show up with goat skins and, and the, the garments of someone else and say, I'm this person. Look, you can put a dress on a man. He's still a dude. You understand? And when you go to God and go, well, it's not like that, Lord. It's not that bad. Not Everybody's doing it. I don't think it's a big deal. And that Christian does it. And their parents say it's okay. All that, Just throw all that out and say, God, this is me. You know the problem is sometimes you don't like you. And so you want to be something else or someone else. And can I say this? When you approach God, the best thing to be is to be you. Because he knows who you are. And say, God, I've been kind of twisting this thing. I've been kind of making this go in my direction. And people at church, they think it's spiritual, but Lord, I know better and you know better. And Lord, I'm sorry. You know what Esau? You know what Esau means? means red one. He's a man of the field. He's out there in the dirt. You know what Jacob's doing? He's pretending to be something that he's not. Isn't it interesting that she puts on him the garments of Esau? Esau's a man of the field. The field is a picture of the world. Christian, when you're not comfortable in your own skin, you go to the world. And then she puts skins of what? Goats? You know, aren't goats a picture of lost people? You realize when you aren't walking with God and you want to get something that you want to get, you're willing to become something that God already rescued you from being. Can, can I say this? No more cover-ups. Can I, you don't get, listen, you don't, God doesn't cover things up. He cleans them up. Yeah. You, under, you understand? Like, like, like if, when you live your life, and this is what Jacob is going to learn, well, after this situation, he ends up running for his life, and when he runs, you know what he's constantly doing? Looking over his shoulder, wondering when that hammer's going to fall. Terrible way to live. You're not Esau. Maybe you don't like who you are. You know, you got to say to God, Lord, I don't like being Jacob. You know what the Lord might say? Maybe you don't like being Jacob because you haven't done it my way yet. But the answer is not to become Esau. The answer is to become the version of Jacob that God wants you to be. Hmm. Gentlemen, when you get married, sometimes you feel like you're not sure who you married. I know it's really quiet right now. <laughs> but you wake up and you go, huh, oh, she pretty and have brain. <laughs> she has her own thoughts about things. And I've got my own thoughts about things. And now it feels like maybe we're having a fight. <laughs> Now, it may feel like you don't know who you married. And ladies, you may feel the same way. Like, you know, you married this stud, <laughs> right? <laughs> and then eventually he hits his 40s and the wrinkles come in. <laughs> and the hair starts to thin back. <laughs> and this turns into this, right? And you're like, who did I marry? <laughs> but that pales in comparison with on your wedding night, waking up the next day to someone that is not your wife. You know what Jacob does? He tricks his dad and he gets away with it. I got it. I can cover this up. Or did you? Because, right. I don't know, 14-ish plus years later, you know where Jacob's at? Seven years later, I'll say it this way. He's still waiting to marry the right girl. Mm-hmm. You know what happened to him? Father-in-law gives him the other sister. Oh, you go, that's a coincidence. No, it's called reaping what you sow. Yeah. Well, this isn't right. Oh, do you think for a moment, Jacob got up in the morning and said, oh, 
Who are you? <laughs> I'm the older sister. <laughs> Come on, man. Come on. It says Rachel was beautiful to look upon, and the Bible's like, Leah was tender-eyed. You know, like, that's a nice way of saying she's good at crossword puzzles. <laughs> she has a nice personality. What am I, what am I supposed to say here? And he wakes up, and he's like, oh, you, uh, uh, where's Rachel? You, you see, you think you're getting Rachel, but you're actually getting Leah. Why? Because what, 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 you tend to do, what you tend to go after in the flesh, it tends to kind of just follow you down the road. Don't you think when Jacob woke up in Genesis 29, he's like slams his hand on the nightstand, runs out there, Laban! It's his father-in-law. What's up, man? You know, Laban says, oh, my wrong be upon me. That's Old Testament for my bad. Right? And he goes, oh, man, in my culture, our custom is to give the older daughter. Why didn't you just tell me? And right in mid-sentence, Jacob goes, got it. And when he's about to say, that's unfair, I got it. Can I say that what the Lord desires is for you to just come out in the open with who you are? Do not, do, not, do not misread this. This does not mean going online and dumping your garbage in everyone else's backyard. This means you going to God Amen. and going to the Father and saying, no more cover-up. I'm not going to act one way at church and be something I'm not out there. I'm, I'm done with the back and forth. I'm tired of the game. You know what I think to myself when David messed up with Bathsheba, a terrible sin, terrible situation, has a man, innocent man killed. And by the way, Uriah was one of David's mighty men. Someone that, that had the trust and, and leadership of his, of his people. And, and, and that man Uriah trusted the king. And Uriah was killed. And his innocent blood was shed because of David's desire to cover up what was going on. And if you're lost without Jesus Christ, one day you're going to stand in front of God. And his son is going to open up the books. And every secret thing that you've done and said and thought that nobody else knew about is coming out with God. And he's going to point to his son and say, you don't measure up. Depart from me, for I never knew you. Christian, you'll never experience that. And you better thank God for that. And if you're not saved, you know what? We want you to come and, and accept Jesus Christ today as your Savior. Listen, there, let me ask a question real quickly. Who in this room could open up a Bible and show someone how to be born again? If that's you, raise your hand. Look at the hands around you. Find someone that just raised their hand after church and go, can I talk to you? And I want to know how to be saved. I don't want to experience that. But Christian, can I say this? You may not experience that on judgment day, but I'm going to tell you what. There's going to be some things that you're going to hope and pray don't follow you in your life, and they're going to be there right behind you. You know why? The same way it was with David. You know what I think David experienced? I think David's sitting one day in his throne after that situation. You know what David thought to himself? I think I got it covered. I don't think anybody knows. I think I'm good. And as he's sitting on his kingly throne, Nathan comes before him, and Nathan says, uh, Sir, I have a word. Speak on, Nathan. What does the Lord say? Let me tell you a story, David, about a man that had thousands of sheep and a poor man that only had one. And that man, that the rich man stole from that poor man's sheep. 
He took that one poor man uh, sheep and he, he took that, that sheep and he sacrificed it for his, his guests that came by. And it's a picture of the traveling nature of your lust. It's fleeting. It's there. You want something, you take it, and then later on the guilt follows. And David, you know, David slams his fist down, takes that, 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 that rod, that, that, he slams it down, and he says, how dare that man do that? That man should die! You know what Nathan says? Thou art the man. And you know what I think happened for a moment? I think there's an initial panic in David's mind, sweat. But I think something else happened. And you may or may not agree with this. We'll find out when we get to heaven. I think there was a sense of relief. I was tired of running. I was tired of pretending that everything was okay. Lord, I want to be right with you. This whole thing has just gone off the rails. It went too far. I didn't want it to. It wasn't my intention. Lord, I was just a moment. It turned into a lifetime. God, I'm sorry. I think David in that moment had just a just even if it was just a passing sense of relief because all that covering up, all that going against his conscience, all that wondering, when is the hammer going to drop? When are they going to know? And the whole time God's just going, David, all I ever wanted you to do was to admit it to me. You see, you need to get a hold of this. You can be saved and make a complete mess of everything. Now, if you're here and you're lost, you may just go, well, then why would I even want to get saved? Because you don't want to go to hell. Amen. And you want to experience the love of God for eternity. That's why you get saved. And experience a place with no jails and no prisons and no hospitals and no cancer wards and no kids, burn wards and no fights and no divorce and no stress. and no. I want that. Now, in the meantime, it's on me how I get there. You know that story in the New Testament where that woman touches the hem of the garment of Jesus Christ and the Lord goes, who touched me? Remember that story? And Peter's like, Lord, it's like thousands of people out here. We're all kind of like, it's like being in a church on the side of a bank. There's no room. And you're, <laughs> what do you mean who touched you? You know? I remember when we were in Bolivia, uh, Miss Melissa and Brother Eric, you might, you might understand this, the, the micro, the little buses there. I mean, they are, you are packed in. And when they see Americans get on, they smile. <laughs> and here's why they smile. They're like, you don't know what you're about to get into. And I mean, there's, you know, uh, Americans sit one person on a seat, right? Like you are right now. Uh-uh, man. Uh-uh. However many cheeks can slide in there, buddy. There may be five people in one seat. Man, and you are in there, and you are, and you know what Jesus said to me? Who touched me? Who touched me? Finally, this little woman comes out and goes, it was me. You know what the Lord says? Come out of the shadows. Don't cover up. Come on out. Let me help you. You know the problem is, some of you, you're in the shadows and you know it. And there's some things that you go, well, I mean, I want, I want the right thing, but the way I've been going about it isn't quite the right way. I'm going to speak to you guys for just a moment. When you're raised in church, or at least a good amount of your life, you can kind of cover things up. And everyone kind of looks at you, well, you look all right, you're dressed all right, you got your Bible, and your heart could be way out in left field. <coughs> you know what walking with God means? No more shortcuts. Look if you would at chapter 27, look if you would at verse 3. 
You know what the father tells Esau? Grab your weapons, your quiver, and your bow, and go out to the field and take me some venison. You know what that sounds like to me? I'm not sure, but it kind of sounds like work. Are you guys reading this too? Yeah. All right, this fifth grade English here. Look at verse 9. You know what mom says? Oh, honey, that's too long. That's a lot of work. Esau's going to go get smelly and dirty. Like, you know, I, this is how I look at it. I look at Esau as like the jock, the football player, the wrestler, you know, and Jacob's like the art guy. He's painting art, you know, and he's got smooth hands, you know. He's like a hand model for Isotoner, you know. And Jacob's like a man's man, you know, oh, you know, and he's out there. And, and so Jacob's like, I don't want to smell sweat. I don't want to sweat. It's like, dude, you need to sweat a little bit. You know, I told my sons yesterday, I said, look, I want you to, first job I want you to have is not with my company. I want you to, and if it is with my company, is to be like a temporary employee, like lugging bricks somewhere for some terrible employer. You say, why? It's good for their character. That's why. And, and so, no, no, I deserve a better, you deserve, you don't deserve anything. <laughs> God, God, is, God owes us nothing. It's good for a young man to get dirt under his fingernails, you know, and get out there and sweat. And Jacob's looking at this going, man, I just got to find a shortcut to the blessing. This sounds like a lot of work. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You know, there's that story that we do well to remember about the ark being put on a cart. Now, let me ask you a question. If you have, I've watched the, the boys and, you know, the, I love it, the creativity, man. You know, like, we can't carry those big buckets of water, so what are we going to do? We're going to find a, a dolly and put the dolly really low and put the buckets on there and pay, take uh, bungee cords and wrap them around. And then we're going to take it, and we're going to pull the dolly like this, because you can't lift it too much, the water will come out. So they're doing this. We look out in the back air, and we go, <laughs> boys are great. <laughs> Isn't that great? That's awesome. Now, here's the problem. When you take a shortcut, and God's telling you, no, that's not the way to do it. And these men said, you know, it's too heavy carrying that ark. It's just way too heavy. Let's just put it on a cart, and we'll just drive it over there. You know, they, they took a short, and by the way, there was music, there was zeal. Man, they're excited. Everyone's there. The crowd is there. And guess what? Someone dies at the end. Why? Shortcut. Oh, by the way, in that story, fun fact. You know what God does? He parks the ark after Uzzah dies in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite for three months. You know what I'm telling you? When you think you're taking a shortcut, you're probably not. Yeah. You can have all the wisdom and knowledge. All you got to do is take a bite of this fruit. Shortcut. Jesus Christ presented the kingdom's shortcut. He didn't take the bait, thank God. There are no shortcuts to any place worth going. Amen, amen, and amen. I read this. If you take shortcuts, you're the one that gets cut short. Dwight Eisenhower, a great general, said this. There are no victories at discount prices. You know, when, when people ask me, like, preacher, how do you do this? I've, asked, I've had young men go, how do you do this? And this, and just different things. I'm going to ask put it all out there, but they, how do you, one time I had a young man recently call me, he goes, I'm struggling with this, how do you do this? I said, you do it. Right. You see what I mean? I said, the thing you don't want to do, that's what you do. Right. And then you do it again, then you do it again. And you, it's got to be simpler than that. No, 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 it, that's it. That's it. You, you, that, that sounds like a, a lot of work. Yeah, that's right. You want the blessing? Salvation's free, but God's hand on your life thereafter, and his blessing on you, you know what it's going to take? A little bit of work. 
quit trying the shortcuts. They're not getting you there any quicker. Now look, I'll admit I'm a man, and sometimes the GPS says go this way. I'm like, <laughs> what does some Australian female voice know that I, I'm an American driving an American <laughs> highway? Turn left at this lot, you know, whatever. And I'm like, what? I know where to go. And I take that shortcut, and I'm like, mm, there's traffic here. Yep. And it's uh, rush hour, and maybe that's what she was trying to tell me. You see, the shortcut isn't always short. Jacob thinks I can get the blessing and I'll, I'll just get what I want and I'll take a little trip to my uncle's house and I'll come back when I, when I can, when I feel like it. You can't always come back. Jacob doesn't make it back. You know, you know what, what's sad about this story? I, I tell my boys this and I believe this. Christians, let me say it like this. Jesus Christ left this world better than he found it. One man, three and a half years with 12 followers, one of whom was the devil, so let's just say 11, then you get another one replaced later on. This man turned the world upside down with three and a half years of his life. Would you not say that Jesus Christ left the room better than he found it? You know what I tell my boys? Leave the room better than you find it. If something's broken when you're in there and nobody did it, you, someone's going to have to confess it. And, and also, guess what? When you leave a place... It should be evident that you put something into it that wasn't there when you found it. Christians, can I say this? We have a lot of saved people that think that their Christian life is confined to the church. When you go to work, leave the room better than you find it. With your relationships with family, leave the room better than you found it. You know what Jacob doesn't do? He does not leave the room better than he finds it. You know what walking with God will do? It'll help you leave the room better than you find it. Look at verse number 30. Right about the time that he gets that blessing, he's running, and his brother, just as he's walking out, you know what I think God did? I think God allowed Esau to come just as Jacob was leaving, so Jacob would have to look in the eyes of a man that just worked and sweat, and Jacob bypassed all of it. And it would just bother his conscience. Look at verse number 33. Verse 33. You know what his dad's doing? His dad is living in fear. Why? Because of what Jacob did. He's trembling. Look if you would at verse 34. You say, what's the result? Grief, a great and exceeding bitter cry. Look at verse 38. You know what Esau is? He's desperate. Listen, when, when fear is the result and grief is the result and desperation is the result and weeping is the result and verse 41, hatred is the result, verse 42, bitterness is the result, you did not leave the room better than you found it. You know what the Bible says about Jesus Christ? In Acts 10, he went about doing good. He left it better than he found. Did not Jesus leave you better than he found you? Amen. You know what that means? Return the favor. You can't do that when you walk in the flesh. Look at chapter 28. Look, if you would, at verse number 5. You say, what does Jacob have to do because of his actions? He has to run. And he runs for a long time. And let me just say this, if you're here and you've never been saved, Jacob turned the blessing into a curse. God wants to turn the curse of sin from your life and make you a new creature in Christ. Christian, if you're saved, can I just say it like this? Quit walking in Jacob's footsteps. The Bible says the things that were written aforetime were written for our learning. Look at Jacob's life and go, got it. So I should stop doing that. Yes. You don't want to manipulate. 
You don't want to cover up. You don't want to take shortcuts. You don't want to be a deceiver and supplanter. You don't want to leave a place worse than you found it. I'll say it this way. If God calls us home right now, could we look back over this week and go, I left it there and I found it. Let's all stand. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ and we bow the knee and we admit, Lord, that it is so easy in the moment to be Jacob. We want something to show for the lives that you give us, Lord. We don't want to just leave this earth doing things our way, running. Lord, we live in a generation that's constantly busy, constantly distracted, Lord. And I feel that some of that is due to the fact that we don't want to be still and hear from you, Lord. And there's too many voices that we're listening to. God, I just pray this morning your people would have a desire, Lord, to walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. They'd have a desire, Lord, to, to leave Jacob's ways behind and follow in the footsteps of Jesus Christ. With every head bowed and every eye closed, Christian, maybe you don't like who you are. Maybe you're discontent with who God made you. And so because of that, you're insecure. Because of your insecurity, you seek to control things and try to manipulate things. Instead of just coming clean and saying, Lord, I don't, I don't like me. Lord, that's on me, though. That's not on you. Lord, I want to be me your way. Heads bowed and eyes closed. The Bible says that we've renounced the hidden things of dishonesty. Put off the old man and put away lying and put on the new man in Christ. See, what is that? Walking in truth, not the flesh. Not going after things just on my own. And then maybe hoping that later on God catches up and blesses what I'm doing. See, here's the thing. Jacob, when he stole the blessing... He got the blessing from his dad. But he didn't have God's blessing on him right away. There's some things Jacob had to learn. Christian, what I'm hoping that you desire to do is learn from Jacob. Boy, the desire for the blessing was right. And see, that's what Jacob had that Esau could care less about. Christian, you ought to desire the blessing. Desire God's power and His hand on you. The Bible says that if you strive for the masteries, you must be temperate in all things. So what does that mean? Make it make sense, preacher. What that means is if you're going to play, you got to play by God's rules, not yours. Ask this question. If you're here this morning and you know you're saved, you know you've been born again, can raise your hand and say, I'm one of God's kids. I'm one of them. I don't always act like it. None of us do. But I'm his. I'm his and he's mine. Amen. If you're here and you're not saved and you can't raise your hand, can I ask you a real simple question? What are you waiting for? You can't, you can't save yourself. That voice that says, I got this, you don't have this. You're going to be running for a long time if you're not careful, you'll run out into eternity without God. 
I'll ask this simple question. If you're here and you've never been saved, heads are bowed, eyes are closed, you've never been born again, you are not confident that your sins are paid for and you are a new creature in Christ. Would you be willing, nobody looking around, just God, the preacher and you, would you be willing to slip your hand up and go, preacher, I don't know if I'm saved, but I'd like to be. You say, how does it work here? What's the, what's the mechanics? Well, I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to drag you down here. That's not how this works. But I'd like to be able to pray for you if that's you. And let me say this. If you don't feel confident you can do that now, come see me after church. If you're here and you've been struggling as a Christian to just kind of get past where you've been, can I suggest something? It's not about getting saved again. If you're saved, you're saved once for all. That's it. You know what it's about, though? Not doing things Jacob's way. You'll have so much more peace. There'll be so much less anxiety. When you feel you have to control, that's when you respond with manipulation. And then when you can't manipulate like you like, what happens is all this anxiety builds up. And God says, I don't want that for my children. I want them to follow the leading of my spirit not the leading of the flesh. Christian, every moment this week, you're going to have a choice. Flesh, spirit. If you're saved, it's not like, oh, am I going to lose myself? Do I go back to being lost? No. But man, when you follow that flesh, it's a long road. He turned the curse. That's what God does. He turns the curse into a blessing. Why? Because he had love to do. Let the blessing be a blessing and not a curse. See, so well, what makes the blessing a curse? Well, sometimes the, the difference between all of that is how you go about getting it. And Jacob experienced that. Learn from Jacob. Amen. Hope you got some from the Word of God today. I want to close in a word of prayer. Thank you for coming out this morning. Um, Appreciate it. We're going to be here Wednesday night, 7 o'clock. Kids will be downstairs doing DBC. And boys, do not dress as Tinkerbell, okay? <laughs> All right? Uh, none, of that, none of that going on here. Um, so uh, the kids will be downstairs in DBC. Us adults will be up here. And uh, we will be looking at the last, the seventh, the last church in the series on the seven letters of seven churches. We'll be learning about Laodicea. Uh, and then we'll take a, a break after that. And we're going to start a new series uh, uh, but we want to see you Wednesday night. If you can be here at 7 o'clock, so be here Wednesday night. And uh, let's close in a word of prayer. Discipleship, we're going to be downstairs in just a little bit uh, for food and fellowship, and then back up here for our lesson. Let's close in a word of prayer, and uh, let's ask God for his blessing on our days.